The stories in the It's Not Just a Bad Period series are difficult to listen to, and I want to keep it that way, because they aren't just stories, but the harrowing realities of each warrior that is bravely taking part. Although endometriosis was first identified over 160 years ago, substantial gaps in adequately addressing this disease remains. From research being severely underfunded to outdated medical procedures still being used, this disease is a beast to live with, but existing in the current medical system makes it exponentially worse. I wish I could say these circumstances only exist for a few unlucky warriors, but that's not true. This is the typical experience of an endometriosis warrior, and it's time the world hears it. The stories you are about to hear are the personal experiences of each individual, and the views expressed by the guests are their own. Please listen with discretion, as this series contains mature content that could possibly be triggering to some individuals. Mention of depression, suicidal ideation, medical trauma, sexual assault, disordered eating, and other sensitive topics may come up. And as always, this podcast is not intended to be taken as medical advice. Please refer to your doctor or therapist. In this episode, you will meet Samantha. As a passionate and thankful member of the Indo community, she shares how social media has helped her advocate for herself on the road to diagnosis. From multiple surgeries, a hysterectomy, and hormonal therapy that exasperated Sam's coexisting depression, she stood up for herself and the treatment she knows she deserves. But, like most Indo warriors, she was unable to escape the decade long wait to be believed. And when she finally found a doctor that took her seriously, she was then faced with the glaring reality that most gynecologists lack the skills and knowledge needed to manage endometriosis. Fed up with ineffective treatment after ineffective treatment, Sam has made the difficult and financially hefty decision to pursue excision surgery with an expert in the endo field. She is currently in the process of fundraising for her excision surgery, something many of us endo-warriors have had to do. So please, let's show her the love and support of Best Worst Club, and if possible, donate to her fundraiser. No amount is too small. You can do so by following the link in my show notes. Without further ado, here's Sam's story. I just waved because, you know, I'm used to FaceTiming. <laughs> you can't see me, though. Well, I'm waving back at you. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, cool. <laughs> oh, I'm how, so- are, how are you? I'm so excited. I know you've been kind of nervous about it, but I'm really excited for this. And I think it's going to be great. Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. I am very nervous. I've had like a couple of moments where... Like, I just looked at my husband and I was like, my podcast is going live Friday. Am I really doing this? <laughs> yes, you are. And it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. I, you know, there wouldn't be a podcast if it wasn't for our wonderful community. That's true. That's very true. But so, somebody had to take the initiative and get everyone going. So good for you. It's very oh, exciting. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Well, welcome to the Best Worst Club podcast. I'm obviously so glad you're here. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Um, so my name is Sam. Well, Samantha, but most people call me Sam. Um, I'm from a small town on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin. So uh, it's easier to just tell people I'm like an hour and a half north of Chicago because nobody knows where it is. Um Grew up there. I moved to the city for a little bit. And now I'm back out in the sticks. 
Um, I live right now with my sister and brother-in-law and their three kids and I'm the nanny for them. So I'm doing a little live in nanny situation. Um, and it's crazy. Um, I'm about to turn 39 this year and yeah, that's me. Oh, I love it. Another thing we have in common is that we are both nannies. Yeah, and you are a doula too, or you went to doula Am I am a doula? I'm not taking an, on any clients right now, but I am a certified doula, yes. I am also. So I I started the journey of that actually um when my sister got pregnant with twins and COVID. Um, so I wanted to be able to be in the room with her and she was like, oh, you should become a doula. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. So I started doing schooling for that, but I've kind of put it on pause because of endo stuff. So I'm certified doula, but I haven't really done any doula stuff yet. Yeah, I'm very similar situation. I've put it on pause uh, because of endometriosis too. And uh, last year I was actively taking clients um, but I had a couple of uh, miscarriages and just some complications and it really like rocked my heart. So it's, it's a hard um, business to be in. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. I think, well, I'll get into it, but yeah, it's definitely, I'm sure it's, it has its ups and downs and I'm really sorry to hear that. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I know that you understand there's definitely, um, like endometriosis, this is kind of a side tangent, but just a little explanation. Endometriosis kind of was like what really kickstarted me wanting to be a doula because I do want to have children. I'm a nanny. I love kids so much. And not knowing if I'm going to be able to have kids, I was like, well, this is a cool way to be able to like function and support and like be in this space without it, you know, without having my own baby kind of thing. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. Um, I, again, I'll get into it, but I had a hysterectomy. So I, and I've worked with kids probably for the last 20 years in some way or another, either nannying or daycares or, you know, all kinds of stuff. I did swim lessons for a while. So kids has always been a passion of mine. Oh, that's so cool. I love that we can connect on that too. Definitely. So how about we go ahead and get into it? Would you like to share your endo journey with us? Um, absolutely. So um, I guess I'll just start like any other, you know, I got my first period when I was around 13. Um, and like right away, I always, always had horrible periods, like just painful agonizing periods and um I was just always like oh that's normal that's you know whatever it's periods you're gonna feel crappy um so I never really did much outside of just you know sucking it up went to my you know yearly gynecologist appointments and never really I mean they would ask and um it wasn't until I was probably in my later 20s that I just really started to say to myself like this is just more than that you know um and my mom actually had endometriosis as well and so I had brought it up several times to several different gynecologists and they're like oh no I don't think that's it it's normal um fast forward to 2017 I actually got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so every doctor after that, it was always, oh, no, it's just your PCOS. Um, You know, that's because of that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So and then it's just like constantly, oh, lose weight, do this. Have you tried this medication? Have you tried this? And I tried it all and it was just not helping. Um, So I actually didn't get diagnosed with endo until I was 
36 um, because everyone just either pushed it off, blamed it on my weight, told me I need to lose weight, or they told me it was actually my PCOS. And um, I just was like, okay, you're the doctor, so I guess that's what it is. Um, Now, I started going to therapy for a magnitude of things, but I think going to therapy really um, helped me gain my own voice to advocate for myself. So when I went to a new gynecologist in 2020, it was because I was like, just at a point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I'm like, there needs to be something else done. This is not just PCOS. I'm, you know, in a ball on the floor crying. I'm throwing up all the time. I'm like heavy bleeding. Like you wouldn't believe this is not normal. That can't be. Um, so I went to this doctor and he, uh, you know, they did the ultrasound and, They found a cyst on my left ovary and I could have told you that because every, I could feel it. I knew it was there. And I was like, did a cyst rupture? What's going on? He's like, no, it didn't rupture. So they did the ultrasound, found the cyst. And he essentially said, okay, well, you have three choices right now. You can either leave it. And we'll check in and see how it's doing in a couple of months. You can go to a cancer specialist and have them look over everything to see if they think it might be cancerous. Or we can just do surgery to take it out. <laughs> it's like, why, why is that? Like, why is there options? Like, just take it out at this point. Um, he was very reluctant to do any surgery, but the reason he agreed to do it is because the cyst started growing a wall in the middle and he quote unquote, didn't like the looks of it. So I was like, yes, let's please do surgery. And at this point I had already told him like, I I'm pretty positive. I have endometriosis. I think that's what's going on. My mom had it. I have, literally all the symptoms I've done so much research like social media going on Facebook talking to tons and tons of other people in the situation um and he was kind of like yeah you know it could be blah 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 just brushed me off so we end up doing the surgery to get that cyst out um and end up being a chocolate cyst which or endometriosis endometrial cyst I think is how you call it I just say chocolate cyst um so we took that out and in the plan of surgery he had told me he would cut out any endometriosis tissue that he did find if there was any um well he didn't do that uh he cut out a little bit because it was growing around my colon and it was attaching my colon to my abdomen. So he released that. And then I, he cut out a little bit, but that was it. And then kind of like left it how it was. Um, told my sister cause she came to the hospital. Essentially it was just endometriosis was everywhere. And he didn't do anything about it. Um, so follow up with him. He straight up told me if what well, he had offered me the hormone therapy, hormone replacement therapy, which I had heard about, I'd done research on, and I had previously told him that wasn't a route that I was comfortable taking for myself. Um, nothing. I know it works for some people. But just for me, it wasn't something I wanted to put my body through. Um, So I told I had told him that from the beginning. And again, he reluctantly did the surgery because he was afraid the cyst was cancerous. And then at my follow up visit, he just looked at me and said, 
uh, I'm not going to do anything else for you unless you at least try hormone replacement therapy. Oh. And I said, okay, well, that's not the route I'm going to take. So I'm moving on. <laughs> um, so, you know, more research, more looking for another doctor. Um, and again, I have uh, state insurance, so I have a hard time finding any doctors that will even accept my insurance. So that's frustrating in itself. I end up finding another doctor, lots of great reviews on her. Um, you know, everyone said she's so wonderful and this and that. And I was like, okay, so give this new doctor a try. Um, I go in there and again, you know, the same thing. Oh, you need to lose weight. You need to do this. It's your PCOS. And I'm like trying to tell her like, okay. Oh, sorry. Rewind a little bit. The first doctor was supposed to biopsy tissue that he took out to confirm that it was endometriosis. He never did that, which I found out later. He just essentially just looked around and was like, oh yeah, it's endometriosis. Closed me back up and you know, sent me on my way. Wow. Um, and then he was just trying to push the drugs. And I'm like, I don't, for me, I don't want to take it. I just, I, I already have PCOS. I have other mental health issues. I have a seizure disorder. I have cancer running in both sides of my family. It's not something I want to do. And he just was like, well, I'm not going to do anything else for you. And these are things that you told this doctor, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just want to make that clear because that is something that I hear over and over again. It happened to me personally. I deal with depression and suicidal ideation. Birth mm-hmm. control makes that so much worse for me. Yeah. I, and you tell doctors this and they brush it off. And you're literally telling them, I'm at a higher risk for suicide. Mm-hmm. I know that these medications come with those risks. And did your doctor even like mention that? Like, oh yeah, you are correct. This could make your depression worse. This is all stuff I found out on my own because he was like trying to get me to take all these hormone replacement therapy drugs so bad. I was like, well, I want to learn more about this. And then it's just like, yes, the depression gets worse. And I'm already on medication for depression and anxiety. I already am on medication for seizure disorder. And then it like I've heard so many things about uh, makes you gain weight. I already have an issue with that because of PCOS. It's all things that I already deal with. I don't need them amplified by more medication that I don't want to take. And I told him all of this and he was like, okay, well reluctantly did the surgery. And then, like I said, didn't take anything out, didn't biopsy anything. Like he said he was going to, he, essentially told me if it looks like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck. So I'm sure it's endometriosis and sent me on my way. So I go to the new doctor and again, they're like, Oh, have you tried hormone replacement therapy? Have you done this? And then she wouldn't do anything until I, let's see, I had to do, an elimination diet for four months. Wow. Was um, horrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure that it would be helpful if you were trying, like, I don't know, but it was like no gluten, no dairy, no soy, no red meat, no um, nightshade vegetables. There was like 15 different things that I'm like, so how about, you just tell me what I can eat because that seems like it's going to be easier. Yeah. So, was this, I, was this a GI doctor telling you these things? No, this is a, another gynecologist that um, has done lots of work with endo, endo patients. Um, and she came highly recommended. Again, in this area, there are no specialists in Illinois. There are no specialists in Wisconsin. They're the closest specialists to me is in St. Louis, which is about seven hours away. Um, so I researched like 
recommendations for doctors around here who have people who have experience and blah, blah, blah. She, um, lots of people recommended her. So I went to her and I was like, okay, she wants me to try this out first. Essentially, she was just doing everything she could to avoid another surgery because it was so soon after. It was, this was like a year later. So my first surgery was in August of 2020. And then I went to her and did the elimination diet. Then she sent me to get um, a colonoscopy and endoscopy done just to make sure everything was good there because I told her that the previous surgeon had found the endo on my colon. And she was like, okay, well, I'll try this. And then I just, I don't know, do you ever get the vibe when you go to someplace like that everyone there is just like judging you because you don't quote unquote fit in like it's this gynecologist office also does like a lot of cosmetic things like Botox and oh. all this stuff and it was just like all the women that work there are very like had all their hair done and I'm like rolling in in my hoodie and yoga pants because that's what I look like on most days and it just seemed very um judgy if you will it wasn't welcoming feeling but I was like okay if she's a good doctor and she can help me get some quality of my life back and I am not suffering every day I don't really care that much about that um but again it was oh you need to lose weight go on this elimination diet are you sure you don't want to try hormones uh do this first, do that. So after I've done like the 15 things she asked me to do first, I go back. I'm like, listen, I not, nothing is helping. Nothing is changing. I'm in pain every day. I'm like, I was just throwing up every morning. Like I have morning sickness. I, and it was just like miserable. Like can't sleep because I'm in so much pain and I've told her all this stuff and so again she was like okay well I guess we'll go ahead and do the surgery and I personally was like at this point in my life I was 37 or almost 37 Wait, I was almost 38. I apologize. My, anyways, at this point, I was like, I thought long and hard about it, and I decided to go with the hysterectomy because at least, if nothing else, I don't have to have horrible periods every month. And I wasn't sure if I had adeno too, but. And she never confirmed or denied that either, even though I asked about it. Um, and so I would probably bet a million dollars that I had that also because it was just like, my periods were not normal. They came whenever they wanted. They last however they wanted. I was in excruciating pain, throwing up like heavy bleeding, just all, you know, you, you know how it is. Um, I've also heard a lot of people say like, that unfortunately their surgeon didn't confirm or deny either about the presence of adeno. But mm -hmm. if you get relief from removing your uterus, I feel like that is, you know, a very like yeah. indication, like, yeah, you more than likely had adeno. Yeah. I, I'm almost, I would say 98% certain that I did. Um, but these are all things like, unfortunately, like, I learned after the fact because I just was at a point in my life where I just could not live like that anymore. I'm like, I don't care what you have to do. Take it out. At this point, I'm almost 38 years old. I highly doubt even if I wanted to have a baby, I could naturally get pregnant. I'm single. So if I met somebody tomorrow, I'm not trying to have a baby right now anyways. And if I'm meant to be a mother in some way, then it's going to be a different way than 
me physically birthing a child. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I, it was a very, very hard choice for me, but I just, I was like, this is what I have to do. Um, so last October I ended up, um, oh, when she had me do the colonoscopy beforehand, I found out I had uh, gallstones also. <laughs> so then I had to, we had already scheduled the hysterectomy and I had about three weeks to find a general surgeon that worked with her, meet with him, do all that so he can go ahead and take my gallbladder out at the same time. You had to do that part? Yeah. Oh my God. What the I mean, they, they recommended the person, they're like, oh, well, the general surgeon that's in the same building, I'm like, sure, okay, I'll go set up an appointment with him, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't even tell me where to go for the colonoscopy or anything. I had, they're like, you just need to get this done. So I found a different doctor at a different hospital because, again, my insurance is like, oh, some people take your insurance here. Some people don't. It's a hot mess. Um, so I had the colonoscopy done. Then I went back, told her, like, everything was okay except for I had gallstones. So there's nothing, like, nothing wrong with my colon. There's no polyps or anything that they were worried about. And she was like, oh, well... We need to blah, 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 find out if you can have the gallstones out at the same time. So that's why, like, isn't, isn't that her job, her office's job? Like what? You're going to surgery. You know, you need another surgeon to do this part of it, but you want the patient to go out and find it and set it all up. Yep. So that's what I did. And I met with him once and I was like, oh, hey. It was like three minutes long. I brought him, you know, the CD of my colonoscopy and he looked at it and he's like, yep, there's gallstones and, and uh, we can take your gallbladder out. And I was like, okay, what was your name again? You know, <laughs> like, um, but, you know, it was like, I was very happy that I got in there and they were able to do it all at the same time versus me having to have a separate surgery to get my gallbladder out. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, whatever, here we go. <laughs> and then, you know, my, my uh, period was supposed to come. It, it was usually like towards the end of the month and my surgery was October 14th. And on October 13th, I got my goddamn period again. I was like, it just wanted to like, torture me one last time literally I'm just gonna give you the last four hours of hell (laughs) exactly I was like okay well there we go um so this is like middle of COVID 2021 nobody could go to the hospital with me so my sister dropped me off and I go in there and the doctor comes to meet with me and then she asked me (laughs) She's like, so are you planning on staying the night? I was like, well, I don't know if if that's what... Nobody told me I packed a bag if I should be staying overnight. Nobody said I was going to or not. It was kind of based off of how the surgery goes. And she was like, oh, okay, well, it's really up to you. And I just <laughs> thought that was so odd. Like, well, what... What do you recommend? Like, I don't, I've never had a hysterectomy before. Should I be staying overnight or should I be going home? I don't know. Um, I just found that so odd. And so I just said, you know what, if it's possible and I can leave, I would rather sleep in my own bed and be home than in a hospital. Um, So She's like, okay, well, let's just see how surgery goes and we'll figure it out from there. So the plan for surgery was to take out my uterus and my tubes and then obviously my gallbladder to be taken out. And then she was going to take out any endo she saw while she was in there. So my surgery was supposed to be like three hours 
ended up being like five and they had to take out my uterus my tubes my gallbladder my left ovary and my appendix all came out because there was just endometriosis everywhere um and i knew my left ovary like i could just every time i got my period or even like when i ovulate my left ovary pain was so bad and i just knew like there there's something wrong with that ovary i could tell so i was not surprised that that one came out um so yeah i woke up and i was a few uh organs less than when i went in and she didn't even like come back and talk to me um i don't even think she talked to my sister really oh she talked to my sister on the phone um and then i was kind of like yeah it's there's endo everywhere in there it's i i guess she called it stage four um which i don't really know why they stage it i guess or how they stage it i should say um but either way, she said it was stage four endo. And I was like, okay. Um, after the hysterectomy, I was like a new person for approximately, I would say, five months, four or five months. Then the pain started coming back. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went you know, I talked to the doctor who did my hysterectomy and again, it was, well, your only option here is to try hormone replacement therapy. That's all we can offer you. If you're not going to do that, then there's nothing else we can really do. Oh my God. So you went through all of that, you know, this is like a year after that first doctor told you this and you're being told the same thing. Yeah. Yep. And it was, oh, well you can, you know, try the elimination diet again and see if there's any foods that are triggering it. What the hell is crazy to me? Like, like eliminating dairy and soy is going to make endometriosis not attach your bowels to your abdomen? Like, I guess. I I mean, I don't know, but I was like, I, I'm in pain literally all the time. This isn't like, oh, I ate tacos last night and it had a cheese and sour cream and I feel shitty the next day. I feel shitty all the time. So your elimination diet isn't going to do anything. Granted, I'm sure that it could help minimize some things if I did have a food trigger. But when there's endo in there that you didn't get out, not eating certain foods isn't going to change that. So I um, got real pissed off. (laughs) And I was like, are you seriously not going to there's nothing else you can do and then they're like well I know you don't want to do like Lupron or whatever but maybe try a um, progesterone only birth control pill because you do still have that one ovary and I was like okay so I tried that for three months nothing and then they said Well, we don't really know what else to do for you. So now, this is where we're currently at. I um, finally said, F it, and I'm going to go to a different state. So I um, looked up, you know, the specialist in St. Louis, and I called them, and I'm like, listen, I have state insurance. Well... He works through fertility clinics, so they don't accept any insurance. They just, like, give you the codes, and you can um, submit it to your insurance to get reimbursed or whatever. Uh But um, I was like, I have state insurance. I'm sure nothing's going to get covered, but I don't care. I'll pay for it the rest of my life. I just, I can't keep living like this. I, I can't function. I feel like... I'm losing who I am. I feel like I'm doing a shitty job being a nanny. I am feeling like, you know, I just am not 
the person I want to be because I'm in pain every single day. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, and no. so I was like, whatever I have to do, I will make it happen. And um, so I did research. This surgeon is an actual endo specialist. I found him through Nancy's Nook. Um, and he went into it because him and his wife were having trouble having babies and found out that she had endometriosis. So he kind of like shifted his focus to helping women in the same, you know, predicament being able to cure endometriosis and, or not cure it, but get rid of it, you know, whatever. Um, So he told me, has like, no, that's okay. So he has like a personal tie to the right. Industry. That's cool. That's really yeah. so because, um, honestly, I was always kind of leery about men doing this, but that's I think just because I've, I've had um, so many bad experiences with men, uh, male gynecologists that just don't get it and they brush it off and they're like, oh, you know, it's normal. <laughs> just you don't know, sir, anything. Yeah. Um, but so I was supposed to have a consultation with him on November 1st. But I'm like, if anybody cancels ever, <laughs> just let me know. And I actually ended up somebody canceled. So I did a video con- consultation with him probably about a month ago now. And he sounds he was so nice and gave me so much hope and he straight up told me that if a doctor is telling you after they did excision excuse I'm sorry I cannot say that word excision surgery if they're telling you that they want to put you on hormone replacement therapy that's because they know that they didn't get it all out And they're just trying to suppress it from growing. And I was like, okay, well, that's good to know because I don't want to do the hormone replacement. And he's like, I never even offer that to my patients. It's not something I want to do. So that made me feel better. Um, And then he told me based off of me, you know, having a video conference showing him like my previous surgery pictures that. He doesn't think it's um, stage four, but then he reassured me, like, I'm not telling you that because I think, like, your pain is a different scale or anything. The stage doesn't really matter. Um, Right. But he suspects I have something called interstitial cystitis, which apparently is Endo's evil twin sister. And it has to do with the bladder. I'm not even really sure what it is. Um, but he said he thinks I also have that. So I guess we'll find out. Um, I'm currently in the process of trying to schedule that surgery. Hoping that it's going to be in November sometime. Um, right now I've talked to him. We had our first consultation talk to his office he was so nice and he's like I will you're gonna we're gonna do this I'll get it all out like just very reassuring um right now I'm just you know waiting because they're trying the hospital I'm having surgery at is trying to give me a estimate (laughs) for what I'm gonna have to pay as a self-pay um patient and then uh, I guess we'll go from there. But that's where we're at right now. That's up to speed on my journey thus far. Just awaiting surgery number three and hoping for the best. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. So like waiting, awaiting surgery number three. Your yep. hysterectomy. So you no longer have a uterus. And this will be essentially your first real excision surgery. Yes. I mean, I, I, 
up into this point. I thought that's what the previous two were doing, but um, the first one did nothing. And the second one, I I think she took some out, but it, she was more worried about taking out, you know, she took out my uterus and my tubes and my ovary and my appendix and then just left endo everywhere else. I don't know. But she told me that the whole, like, backside of my uterus was covered and it was just everywhere. So I, I'm just hoping that this third surgery, he can get it all out and I can move on from this nightmare. But I am kind of nervous that, like, I have interstitial cystitis and I don't know anything about it and I've been trying to research about it um I again it's hard to understand these things but if I can just function better as a human being and that's what I told him I just want I just want my life back that's where I'm at I want to be able to stand and do dishes for 10 minutes without wanting to cry or be able to put on my makeup without sitting down because my back and my legs hurt so bad. I feel like I'm a hundred years old and I'm 38. So. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I get that so much. Um, I want to ask you, could you talk a little bit about the difference and like how the surgeon, the actual endo specialist that you're on your way to see treated you or some of the things that he said versus the other two doctors and like the difference in the way that endometriosis treated is treated by an actual specialist versus a general surgeon or gynecologist. Um, he was, it was like night and day. Like he, obviously this was, uh, you know, a video consultation. So he wasn't like right there with me, but he spent 45 minutes probably more on a video call with me like first thing in the morning he had like a whole slideshow to show me he looked through every one of my surgery pictures explained what was what he could see in the surgery pictures and like telling me where he would see endo versus another doctor might pass over and he said like even if I see endo in like this small area, I cut all the way around it just to make sure if there's anything underneath, I'm getting that too. Um, he uses a laser actually to cut it all out versus like, um, you know, whatever else the, that the previous surgeons have done, but he listened to me. He didn't tell me like not one time did I hear like I need to lose weight or um, just the fact alone that he was like, no, I'm not going to ever try and tell you to do hormone replacement. That right there was just like, thank God, because I'm tired of trying to explain to people why I don't want to do that. And for them to tell me like, I need to lose weight and that will fix all my problems. I mean, it's just like incredible to me how much people don't understand. Like, I guess if you look at somebody, you can sure make all the assumptions you want, but if you're a freaking doctor or work in a medical setting, I would just, I'm just tired of hearing that the amount of times people ask me if I have diabetes and I'm like, no, I don't have diabetes. You're looking at my records on the computer right in front of you. You could see if I have diabetes right there, just because you're looking at me, you want to keep asking me if I have diabetes. And like, after I had my hysterectomy, even I just come out of a five and a half hour surgery and my sister was able to, uh, this was when I was in like the second recovery. And so she was in there with me and I guess my oxygen levels were a little bit low and the nurse was like, Oh, well that's probably cause she has sleep apnea. And my sister's like, why would you even say that? 
what makes you think that? Like, just because she looks like somebody who might have sleep apnea, does it not, like, make sense to you that she just came out of a five and a half hour surgery? Like, these are the kind of things that just enrage me when it comes to medical people, doctor's offices, but I did not get that vibe from him at all. The new surgeon seems so kind and he actually like listened to me. It wasn't like, oh, quickly tell me your story in two minutes and I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong and what you should be doing and blah, blah, blah. He listened to my whole story and then, like I said, had a whole slideshow showing me exactly how he does things. And it was just, I can't describe like what a relief it was to talk to him because it's just anxiety inducing when you're going to a new doctor and you have to start from scratch and explain all this stuff. And you're just waiting for them to like essentially blame you like, oh, well, if you didn't if you exercise more, if you ate different, or if you lost weight, or if you, I don't know, did whatever, then this wouldn't be happening to you. But he was so kind and just, it was just nice to have a doctor that actually listened to me for a change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I find that that's one of the most common things I hear about true excision specialists is how much weight they put on their patient's personal experience. Yeah. And I also would just want to say that I am so sorry that you've had to go through any of this. It is not right. And it absolutely enrages me. And it's so disgusting how much like body shaming there is in oh, yeah. medical industry, like in the medical system. I'm, I cannot believe that it's 2022 and we're still fighting like the stigma of our body types being any like correlation of our health. There's so yeah. many aspects, so many things that go into a person's health, genetics, like things that are completely out of our control right? that don't have anything to do with our body type. It is disgusting. Yeah. Well, and it's like, and you, I've already told you, like I have PCOS too. That alone is a hormone disease that makes it hard for me to lose weight. Um, I'm not sitting around eating uh, buckets of ice cream and fried chicken every night. I mean, sure, everybody could probably eat a little healthier, but I'm, I am a pretty, I'm a nanny to three kids under three years old. I'm pretty active. Um, It's just like outrageous to me. But the thing is, like when my sister told me that that nurse said something about me having sleep apnea she was so appalled by it and I was just like oh yeah and she's like why doesn't that piss you off I'm like well it does but I'm used to it by now and she's like what do you mean I'm like Heather this happens to me all the time every time I go to a doctor it's just constantly like oh do you have diabetes oh you need to lose weight and it's just always about how much I weigh and what I'm eating. And I'm like, I just want to, I told her, I'm like, I'm going to get a shirt made. So every time I go to a doctor, it just says, no, I don't have diabetes. I don't have sleep apnea. My, all all my blood work is normal. (laughs) Like just shut up. It's really frustrating. Um, But you know, it's, some people are nice, like the first nurse. And when I had my first, first surgery, when I walked in, you know, she was kind of like the pain scale that they give you. And she's like, well, what would you call your pain at today? And I was like, you know what? I'm actually feeling pretty good today. I'm only like a four or a five. And she's like, wait, that's a good day. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's a good day for me. She's like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Like, well, hopefully that's what I'm here for. But, you know, they just, people don't understand unless you actually, and we could sit here and explain this all we want, but people just do not get it. And it's frustrating that out of this world, there's like 
it's the numbers of how many specialists they are is insane to me. It's like, I think I read there's like 200 specialists in the whole freaking world. And now they're saying it's was one in eight or one in 10 went, or people have endo. And now they're saying it's closer to one in eight. If one in eight people have this condition, why is there only 200 specialists in the entire world? It's outrageous to me. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree. And honestly, I would wonder, I would be interested to know like who those 200 specialists are because I have interviewed and talked to so many people that have, and this is tragic, but I've found an excision surgeon from Nancy's Nook that ended up doing some kind of botched ablation and excision and left so much endo behind. Like, so I wonder I bet I'm sure that that 200 is probably even less. And like you said, yeah, I I think uh, I've heard the number of like 187 million to 200 million are diagnosed with endometriosis. Right. So like you said, where are we supposed to go? Who are we supposed to see? And just think of like all these young girls that are going, it took me a person who my mom had it. I brought this to doctors. It took me till I was 36 years old to get diagnosed. And this is after, I mean, 20 years of having a horrible period. And I'm telling people over and over and over again. And it took me until I had a cyst that they thought might be cancer for somebody to do the surgery and tell me, oh, yeah. And he didn't even freaking biopsy it. He was just like, yeah, it's everywhere. You got it. <laughs> Good luck. And then closed you up and sent you on your way. Have fun. Yeah. It's good yep. to grow. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. It is wild. And I really hope that this series, like the people listening to the, these episodes, sit with the weight of what we're telling them. That this is real and it's not even rare that this is like the typical experience of an Indo warrior. Yep. And it's, and like I said, I have learned more. I have found out more. I have like just social media has it's good and it's bad, but I would never be where I am today in my journey if it wasn't for social media and talking to other warriors and talking to other people who have gone through the same things. And I probably would have told that first doctor, sure, let me try the hormone drugs. If I wasn't, if it wasn't for, you know, doing my own researching and advocating for myself, it's just, I know that it would not have turned out this way if it wasn't for other people going through this same thing that just support each other share their stories and honestly like I told you I was so nervous to do this but I know how much it helped me to hear these stories and like find out I'm not alone and just social media has helped me so much in my journey that regardless of how nervous this made me I was gonna do it um just because I know I, and I had, I've just started my own um, separate Instagram page just to share this kind of stuff because it's helped me so much to find other people on Instagram and Facebook and all the groups and whatever. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. That's 100% sure. I am so glad you shared that because I I totally feel exactly the same. It's why we're here. It's why we're doing this podcast. And it's really incredible to me. Like it says so much about us as warriors and as people that we are not only living and trying to manage a debilitating disease, but we're also here for each other. And we're really fighting like so much systemic obstacles to help other people avoid any kind of medical trauma or unnecessary treatments, like to really just have a true and sound understanding of endometriosis and what your options are and what you're going to face because it's brutal. 
That is for sure. And I am so glad that you decided. I know you said you like, we're going to do this podcast a couple years ago and it wasn't the right time, but I'm very glad that you're doing it now. And I think like you're truly going to help out so many people and change a lot of lives just by having a platform for people to share their stories. And I think it's great and you're going to do great things. Oh, thank you so much. That like literally brings tears to my eyes. It means so much, you know, especially because you understand and our community understands how difficult it is to live in this disease and it can rob us of so much, so many like dreams and goals that we have. So to be here and to have your support and the support of our community makes me feel like I actually am beating endometriosis. Well, good. We're going to do it together. Yes, that's the only way, right? Exactly. We got to support each other and get pissed off and make a change, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So on that note, what would you like someone listening to this episode? What would be if the if you could have them take one thing away? What would that be? Somebody who thinks they have endometriosis, just do not ever give up advocate for yourself you know your body more than anybody and if you have to switch doctors 10 times then switch doctors 10 times because no doctor can tell you whether you're feeling what you're feeling or not so if you if the doctor doesn't feel right if you don't feel comfortable move on and that's what I've had to do I'm on I don't even know how many different gynecologists I've seen it just advocate 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 for yourself and make yourself a priority because this isn't how we're supposed to live our lives we aren't supposed to be in pain like this every day and we need to make sure that people are listening to our voices and hearing what we're saying yes 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 I think that's such good advice Fire the doctor. If they don't feel yeah. they throw a red flag, fire them. And remember that, like, they literally work for you. We pay for this shit. Exactly. And I, like I said, I had no problem after that first doctor was like, I'm not doing anything else. I was like, okay, fine. Bye. I'll find somebody else. I'm not. I just, I, I went through so much crap. I mean, again, it took me till I was in my 30s for somebody to take me seriously. And I was just like, okay, well, they're the doctor. So if they say it's fine, it's fine. No, I'm done. I'm not listening to this bullshit. Like, I know my body. I know what I want for myself. And I just advocate. I mean, I went today. I'm only 38. And I went today for my first mammogram because I told my general, uh, practitioner that I wanted one I'm like I'm not waiting till I'm 40 it runs in my family I'm having some pain so I want to do it now so she was like okay well we'll do it now then so I did advocate for yourself it's the most important because you're the only person who can tell people your story like how you're feeling so advocate for yourself yes yes that's so true and good for you I am so proud of you I'm so glad that you were here. I'm so glad that you shared your story. I think yes. that, that the series is, like you said, I think it's going to do a lot. And I'm just so thankful and so honored that you trust me to share this and bring this to our community. And again, I just want to thank you so much for using your spoons to be here with us. I appreciate you and thank you for having me. I cannot wait for Friday. Oh, yay. I'm so <laughs> oh well thank you so much sam is there anything else that you would like to say um or actually would you like to share your uh endo instagram handle yeah i just started it and it's called um spoonie stories with sam all one word no spaces nothing so i'm i'm on my personal page i've like talked about it endo and all that but I just really want something that's going to focus on just chronic illnesses and making sure that I share my story and just hoping 
that I can help even one person how social media has helped me and hopefully I can save somebody from I don't know something I don't know I just I felt the pull to make an endo well I have other chronic illnesses but a chronic illness Spoonie page so Spoonie stories with Sam is my new Instagram I love it. You are definitely going to help so many people. You already have just by doing this podcast and showing up on social media and being an active part of our community. Well, I appreciate you. So thank you for having me on. Thank you. I'll be sure to um, add your Instagram handle in the show notes. So that way all of our listeners can go ahead and find you there. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. It was wonderful to talk to you. You too. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Best Worst Club podcast. If you could do us the biggest favor and help us reach more Indo Warriors, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. And take a selfie of you listening or a screenshot and share it on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next week, Endo Warrior.